But back in the day when I would see a category emerging, I felt that I had some time to learn it, study it, and then eventually enter it. Now, you almost have to do all of that at once. I was seeing, again, this emerging category, for instance, water kefir, which in my mind is the way kombucha was or where kombucha was 20 years ago. If you haven't figured out by now, that's kombucha innovator, some say the father of kombucha, G.T. Dave. 25 years ago, he started brewing kombucha in his parents' home. Today, GT's Living Foods is a billion-dollar brand that continues to blaze new trails in what GT says is a very different natural products industry with different pressures. Today, on Fodder, GT and I talk about those changes and holding on to core values, maintaining that guiding light. And we imagine how this will help us all through the new challenges presented by COVID-19. But first, this podcast is possible because of our underwriters, 301 Inc., the Giannuzzi Group, Healthy Lifestyle Brands, Morningstar Farms, Stonyfield Organic, Unilever, and Whipstitch Capital. I'm Christine Kapperman, and this is Fodder, the podcast offering food for thought for natural products industry professionals. It is brought to you by New Hope Network's Escabona platform. Now, here's my conversation with GT Dave. In 1995, the world was a very different place than it is today, and I also feel that our industry was very different. So, I mean, when kombucha came into my life through my parents in the early 90s, it was definitely something that was very far out, because even though health and wellness had started to become a thing in the kind of independent natural food stores, the foods that were considered more cutting-edge were tofu, wheatgrass, um, fresh pressed juice, things of that nature. And kombucha, although it has been consumed for a very long time in other parts of the world, was not something that you would find in the natural food space. So when it came into my life, it was naturally something that I had never seen and my parents had never seen. But my parents quickly fell in love with it, and that is what caught my attention. And so seeing that, where again, the, the world was much simpler and there was a lot more things to discover, to fast forward to today, where there is so much new content and new products and new categories and micro-categories that I honestly couldn't imagine starting a business in today's world. It is so much harder, and there's so much more competition, and there is, even more than ever before, this, this race to some kind of finish line. And unfortunately, that does kind of encourage certain behavior that that again, feels very cutthroat and, again, very competitive, which is fortunately something that I didn't experience that much in the early days back in the 90s when I started. Yeah, so, but I'm, I'm sure you've had to find new ways to deal with that as well. Absolutely. I mean, I think this, the thing that's the most unique right now that I certainly didn't have to go through when I first began was there really are no secrets anymore. And what I mean by that is with the and with the phenomenon of the internet as well as social media, they're, they're, it's really hard to keep an idea quiet and secretive because with one hashtag or one social media post, it can quickly get out there. And so what that means sometimes is there's it's hard to find original ideas because I've even personally found myself coming up with a new idea and then I Google it 
or I put in the hashtag on my Instagram and I see that there's like 10 other people that are already doing it. And I'm not saying that th- that didn't exist when I started. It's just you didn't have that visibility and that visibility can be pretty intimidating because you know you already feel like you're already behind, which is something that I didn't have to feel when I began because there was no other kombucha product out there. So I felt like I was just trailblazing and I was this lone ranger. And that in many ways gave me confidence and bravery. But when you sometimes feel that you're already fighting a battle that you hadn't you hadn't learned how to fight yet, that can be pretty intimidating. That's interesting because in so many ways I look at GTs and I look at how you shifted from just being kombucha, right? You changed the name and the philosophy of the company. What was that a couple of years ago? So I always see you as that being on the forefront, being that leader and and to feel that innovation might be more challenging than ever is interesting coming from from someone that has been innovating. Well, it's an interesting point. So we're actually speaking the same thing. So in 2019, we had a proliferation of innovation. I mean, we innovated in CBD water, a adaptogenic tea, a water kefir, and probably more in one year than we have innovated in a decade. And there's a reason for that. And the reason is, is personally, I was seeing all these new beautiful categories starting to emerge. But back in the day when I would see a category emerging, I felt that I had some time to learn it, study it, and then eventually enter it. Now, you almost have to do all of that at once. And I, I started, I was seeing, again, this emerging category, for instance, water kefir, which in my mind is kombu- the way kombucha was or where kombucha was 20 years ago. But because there was this sense of urgency that now I have, that if, if I don't do it now, someone else will do it, it kind of motivated me to just jump and do it, which is, again, the silver lining to everything that I'm saying. And, and most of what I'm saying is not a negative thing. It's just shining a bright light on the world has changed dramatically. But in many ways, it's a good thing. I think there's a lot more innovation coming out in our industry than ever before, which is definitely a good thing. Not all of it is great, though, and that's the part that I think we all have to be careful of is um, not every new shiny, sparkly toy is is a great one. Um, But for us, I mean, innovation is our lifeblood. I mean, I think that's what most companies need to do these days to stay relevant is to constantly be moving forward and definitely not getting complacent. Because those that get complacent are those that will lose. Sure. And there seems to be a couple things that drive that, and that's that inspiration. Uh, some of it might be actual process, but then some of it is just the, the, the cash in the bank sometimes. Yeah. Where where do you find your lane, or and how might you advise others to look at how they're identifying innovation? Well, that's a great question, and that's, that's actually the primary reason that in 2017, I renamed my company from Millennium Products, which was the company name since 1995, and I changed it to GT's Living Foods. And the reason why I did that is I was starting to identify that as my company was growing up and maturing in certain ways, that we were potentially running the risk of losing our identity, or worse yet, losing what we stand for. And so by incorporating the two simple words, Living Foods, into the name, it really established these guardrails of who we are and who we are not. Because that's the challenge right now is just because you can innovate a lot doesn't mean you should. And when you do innovate, before you put that first product on the shelf, you need to ask yourself, 
how is this complementing and supporting my overarching mission and my overarching message and my overarching purpose? Because a lot of times, and I've seen this, I've even seen it personally with my own company, but certainly in a lot of other companies that I'm a consumer of, is just because you got a taste of success and just because you're riding a great big wave right now doesn't mean that you're invincible. It doesn't mean that everything you touch will be gold. So still maintain that humility because, and I've seen it firsthand recently, is you know a product launch failure is can be catastrophic and it can be very hard on the brand. It can be really hard on the relationship with the brand and the consumer. So you still need to make sure that you know you're not too cavalier about your product launches and you still are studying again what are you trying to do and what's the purpose sure have you had some of those kind of personal struggles or lessons learned on those kinds of launches absolutely i mean for i think you know every entrepreneur in my mind especially successful entrepreneurs have experienced some form of failure and I think failure is okay, and in many ways, I think failure is a great thing. But it's only a great thing if you learn from it. If you don't learn from it and you play the poor me game or you make excuses, then you're not learning from it and you're destined to repeat it. So I've certainly, <laughs> I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not an exception. So I think that when we come out with a product, not everything that we come out with is a slam dunk. And we rather, A, have to iterate and iterate and iterate and, and, and perfect. And I think there's humility in that by knowing that you, you're maybe never perfect and that perfection is more of a journey than it is a destination. So, so that I've experienced that in some of my product launches. And I think, again, what helps us is we, we like to always think big but act small. So when we innovate, we innovate in a very intimate way. So if there is a mistake or if there is, uh, like we missed the mark, luckily it's not catastrophic. Think big, act small. I know you think big. Can you talk about what acting small looks like? So acting small, for us, for instance, is we're very proud of our seasonal edition flavors of kombucha. And we created these back in 2017. When, as I mentioned, when we changed the company's name, I was definitely reflecting on who we are, what do we stand for, and where are we going. And at that time, and even today, we were you know, facing competition within the kombucha space and outside the kombucha space of smaller brands that were much, much more agile than we are because of their size. <clears throat> Excuse me. So what I decided to do is challenge myself and challenge my team to the, the seasonal uh, addition of flavors that basically is every three months we would launch a new product. And the new product would not only be a new flavor or even a new package, but it also have a complete new kind of creative manifesto behind it. And so what those ended up being were what we call our four cardinal values of gratitude, love, transformation, and unity. And through those expressions, not only did we have to physically become very agile with how we sourced our ingredients, how we developed the formulas, and how ultimately we launched them, but also we had to be very agile with our, our messaging. And 
we, we were, you know, we were talking like a small local brand because we were able to utilize these cardinal values of love and gratitude and so forth to have much more heart and soul than I think a company our size is typically is able to achieve. So through that is, is basically what I'm saying about thinking big. Like we partnered with Lady Gaga's Born This Way for our Bloom season, seasonal edition. We partnered with Feeding America. So these are, you know, large organizations that don't just work with anybody. So that's definitely the thinking big and the acting small as we activated in a very one-on-one environment with our fans and our consumers to spread the, the spirit and philosophy of these, <clears throat> excuse me, cardinal, cardinal values. So it's something I'm very proud of. The second example I'll give is a words of enlightenment, right? It's, the words of enlightenment are these um, positive, inspirational quotes that are featured on all our kombucha products. And they're submitted to us mostly by our fans. And we change them every three months or even or more often. And that's another way of saying, hey, we are, again, a sizable brand with sizable distribution and sizable volume, but we want to give our consumers this feeling that they almost created the label if they see their name on it or that the name of somebody they know. So that's a great way for us to behave like we're a small company. Great. So you've been able to take these processes and find ways to continue to do this as you're adding new new items um, and, and going about your day-to-day business today. Absolutely. And you you also talked about the idea of the guardrails, knowing who 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 GTs is. And I'm sure as we sit here today, it's now the end of March and, and things have changed so incredibly just in the last few weeks of our lives. How do you see those business values being particularly important today for you? Yeah, I mean, as they say, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I definitely feel that everybody in the world is being challenged right now. I believe that, that you know, there is good out of this. I always think that you can't have the light without the dark. And I know personally, with everything that's going with COVID-19 and the way the world feels like such a different place right now, is that it really is a reminder to count your blessings and to find happiness and value in the things that we tend to overlook. And I think in many ways, this current situation that we're going through is a reminder of that, that in our with our obsession with ourselves, with our selfies and our social media and some of the narcissistic behavior that I think comes out of that, is we've kind of lost connection with each other. And in many ways, I think we are starting to live in silos. And, and our country and the world is seeing more divided than ever. And I think what COVID-19 is reminding us is that we are so much more connected than we understand. And we need that connection. We thrive on that connection. But I think we've kind of underestimated it. Again, in our conversations of borders and uh, labels and, you know, political parties and all of that, that we've started to divide ourselves. And right now we're being reminded that there really is no division, right? That this is one planet, we're one race, that, you know, there's one mankind. And I'm hoping and praying that that is going to be one of the many positive things that comes out of this. But of course, before we get there, we're all being challenged. And I know from a business standpoint, 
Luckily, because we're in the food business, we're considered an essential business, so we're allowed to remain operational, which I'm incredibly grateful for. But as we are in operation, you you know you're you're sensitive and nervous to the safety of your employees. The, 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 again, the every environment feels like it's an exposure because there's so much uncertainty. So you just kind of proceed with faith and hope because candidly, that's all we have right now. And I just hope and pray that the, the the world can come out of this better and stronger because, you know, I do feel for those less fortunate that don't have the opportunity to stay in, uh, stay in business and stay working and stay operational. And those that are kept you know, isolated in their own homes without any kind of source of income. It seems kind of silly to be thinking so much about business right now, uh, but it is an important point with the natural products industry. We're so good as well as being that uh, pull together and find the humanity through everything. So I'm always appreciative of that. And that's, I think it's important that, you know, again, every entrepreneur and leader try to be a, a servant leader to understand that, again, we may have been blessed with success or a certain set of talents that we can somehow monetize, but we need to make sure that it, it, it always comes with as they say, making the world a better place. Because, again, with COVID-19, we're being reminded that kind of our security and safety and well-being is, still seems to be very, very paper thin. And I think we need to kind of beef that up so things don't crumble as quickly as it seems like they did lately. Sure. It almost seems, uh, I don't know, prophetic might be kind of a big word, but uh, when you were looking at your anniversary offering and calling it sacred life and using some sacred geometry on that beautiful bottle. It seems like it all kind of has some new meaning today. Absolutely does. And not to pat myself on the back, but there, there is a connection with what is going on and what my call it concern and conviction was when developing sacred life, because the, the impetus for sacred life, it's not a product in any way. It's it's a philosophy, it's a belief. And, you know, what I've seen in the kombucha space, as well as even in the natural food industry in totality, is we have sometimes lost our way of, of what is important. And to me, I think one of the most precious things that exists on this planet is, is the form of life, right? We all know that Mother Earth, planet Earth, is the only planet in our solar system that can sustain life. And that's what makes it so special. But why do we take it for granted? Why do we continue to harm our planet? Why do we continue to, therefore, harm ourselves? Whether it's through irresponsible behavior, reckless behavior, greed. And, you know, unfortunately, that can play, find its way all the way into our food. And I find that very concerning. You know, I, I get concerned when I see trends like the keto diet, which is basically Atkins by another name, resurface, and, you know, the public is becoming more fixated on what a diet will do for their physicality of their body from, call it a vanity standpoint, versus nutrition and the planet and wellness and and studying all of that. I think looking at macronutrients versus micronutrients is completely overlooking the beauty of nature and the, and the medicinal qualities of food. 
And so when I developed Sacred Life, it was really to start that conversation, a reminder, if you will, of, again, what makes, what, what, what does GT's living food stand for? But more importantly, what do we believe that all of us should stand for? And we, we feel that we have the permission to have this conversation because naturally I, I got started because I fell in love with kombucha. And what I fell in love with kombucha is that it was this living, breathing, vibrational elixir that gave your body life. And that's very, very rare to see in a packaged product. And again, it's, I want to use that as a reminder that we need to make sure that we're never overlooking, we're never overlooking life, that we make sure it's in us, around us, and in our food. And so that was the conversation of sacred life. And the one other fun fact is, as you likely know, the flower of life, the seed of life, the sacred geometry that we utilize to emboss this limited edition anniversary bottle is also us saying that life exists in so many different ways. And when you take all forms of life and you boil them down to their simplest form, it all looks the same, which means we are all connected. Humans, animals, plants, insects, you name it. If we're living, we're, we're part of the one, we're, we're all one. And so again, that's, that message was designed to be, of course, inspirational, but also to unify people because even before COVID-19 happened, the world, in my mind, was feeling incredibly divided. So anything and everything that I can do to encourage people to come together is, is my mission and my purpose. Encouraging people to know what's in their products, um, how are they made, and who's making them. Because that is honestly one of the most frustrating things that I'm seeing going on in our industry. And I don't want it to break our industry or cause us to, to lose or stop what we have going on. And it's, it's, there, there's this disguised form of greed and this disguised form of, of opportunistic or opportunism um, where you're seeing, again, products that at face value look like they're beautiful and special and they're coming from the heart and all of that. And they, they, they walk the walk and talk the talk, at least you believe. But then when you kind of scratch the surface, when you read the label, if people read the label, or ask questions of how it's made or who's making it, there's so much more than meets the eye right now. And I, I think that's really important for people to understand is the, the, a health product isn't just, again, the name or the packaging or even just what's in it. It has to go so much further than that to the, to, to the people behind it and what they're doing, and what's their ultimate goal. Because a lot of companies right now, and I'm not disparaging this, but I'm just saying it, I think is happening too much too often, is you know, they start their companies primarily just to sell their company. And therefore, they engage in somewhat irresponsible or reckless behavior in the market, which nine out of ten times, what I've witnessed myself at least, is they leave the industry worse than they found it. But as they exit to their Coke sale or their Pepsi sale, they, they, they leave a, a damaged imprint in the industry. And again, I, I think the industry can only take so many of those. So I think at a certain time, at a certain point, we need to recognize and identify who these companies are and just make sure that we don't let them in too much too soon because 
I've witnessed the damage they've done, and it, I can't say it makes me happy. That's a good. I was going to say, what is that solution? And so the good point of too much too soon, or is it calling on retailers to make sure that they're upholding those old standards that they did when they were first starting decades ago? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of all of the above. I mean, I think I think consumers have a responsibility, right? To to because they vote with their dollars. So who are they voting for, and why? Right. I think a lot of times we were blinded by certain things, by certain buzzwords like local and organic and all of that, which I'm not saying those aren't important. They certainly are. It's just that it's so easy to throw that badge on a label and wear that mask. So just challenge it. And then from the retailer standpoint, retailers need to understand that like, we don't want to start engaging in certain behavior. I mean, I've seen some like pricing wars going on where retailers allow it, but pricing wars between brands, the next thing you know, they're like giving product away for free. And yeah, it's a short-term gain for the consumer, maybe even for the store, but the long-term disruption, if you will, is it, it really starting to change the conversation and change the positioning of natural food products. And there's times where I feel like, oh my God, this is like the Coke and Pepsi price war. It is no longer about quality, integrity, mission, purpose, storytelling. It's just dollars and cents. And I was like, that's that's heartbreaking. It's really come to that. GT gave me a lot to think about, and I hope he sparked new thoughts for you and your business, too. Find more conversations like this at newhope.com slash esca hyphen bona. Escabona is spelled E-S-C-A-B-O-N-A. Newhope.com slash Esca hyphen Bona. Thanks again to our underwriters, 301 Inc., Healthy Lifestyle Brands, Morningstar Farms, Stonyfield Organic, Unilever, Whipstitch Capital, and the Giannuzzi Group a practice that revolves around helping better-for-you brands overcome the numerous hurdles that stand in the way of becoming a disruptive private company in the CPG industry. Many of its clients are young brands, first-time entrepreneurs, recent MBA graduates, and seasoned entrepreneurs new to the CPG space. The group is privileged to advise and consult with clients to help them achieve their business goals and their personal dreams of launching their own business and product.